How's the Bite? I'm Ken Root. This is a weekly podcast that gives you the straight scoop on fishing on the Upper Mississippi, particularly in pools 10 and 11. Now between them is the Corps of Engineers Lock and Dam 10, and on the highway on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye is Murray Outdoors. And joining me is entrepreneur and outdoorsman Bob Urban. Bob, how are you on this Friday in mid-July? Really good, actually. It's been a been a pretty busy morning already here at the store. Well, you had a tough day yesterday. You had a lot of worms that uh, you were needing to get out of the heat. Did that get a little bit out of hand for a little while? Did you open a large can of worms? I did. We run into those issues once in a while. I actually just had them deliver them to the store. So a um, little forklift problem from my 1960 European forklift, the flat tire yesterday. So that'll be my project for today. And we just roll with the punches all summer and try not getting too worked up. But I think I, I think I inadvertently sent you a, a text message that you weren't supposed to get. So I apologize for that. <laughs> Well, you were venting just a little bit, but how many worms did you have on those pallets? Um, I got the invoice here. Let me look here. So we get two pallets. We went through four pallets. We have 122,448 night crawlers we just got in today. Several years ago when I was doing AgriTalk, they hooked me up with a blind worm farmer, and I'm not making this up. And this guy was pretty much a scientist on worms. And he said, you know, worms are hermaphrodites. Whenever any worm meets another one, they can have sex. And I said, how is that different than San Francisco? Okay, it wasn't funny to you, apparently. (laughs) Well, he thought it was funny. He thought it was funny. I don't know if we should put that on. That's what I was saying. I'm like, oh, God, Ken. That's opening another can of worms. That is true. That is very true. Hey, let's let's talk fishing a little bit more. What's biting best? Uh, Three categories of fish here, Ken, that I've been telling people this week. Uh, We have slowed down. We really think that fish fly hatch did affect some of the bite on the panfish, on some of the stuff. here on the upper Mississippi river. I think that's uh, dying down a little bit from what I'm hearing. Um, the three major categories that guys are fishing for is smallmouth, uh, catfish and Northern for the most part. Um, we are still getting some bluegill bites. I think that, I think that's starting to come back a little bit, but for the last week, it's, it's been pretty slower on, uh, the panfish bite, uh, really hot and heavy into the catfish and, uh, smallmouth has been really good on on the rocks well let's focus on catfish today um, on how to catch them and what to use for bait and the life cycle of the channel catfish i have uh, three people that we've talked to one of them is a catfish hunter from uh, the guttenberg area al moran do you think it'd be all right to run a little interview that i did with him oh yeah yeah He's actually, to be honest with you, he's getting into the uh, the crappie fishing a little bit, but this week he did get back to his roots, did get back to his, his nickname, which is Catfish Moran. And everybody at the store knows him. He's, he's kind of like a kind of like a Benny here at the store. He's, he's in and out a lot when he's not uh, doing his farming chores. Well, he uh, knows his stuff, and uh, 
Let's hear from him right now. And with me is Al Moran. Al, do you fish a lot? Yeah, I try to. I go out two or three times a week. And catfish is your specialty? Yeah. Yep. What type of catfish do you prefer? Oh, I go after the flathead catfish and channel cat. Both of them feed on bottom, but the flathead catfish feed on live bait. Where the channel cats are scavengers, they'll feed on anything. If you wouldn't mind, say you had a person with you that wants to learn how to fish, uh, wants to be able to catch fish, and you got them in the boat with you, what would you tell them as far as uh, the rod they'd use, the bait they'd use, etc.? Well, for flatheads, um, I use a seven-foot heavy rod because you might land a 30- or 40-pound flathead because you're, you're using live bait like bluegills or channel cat. You're more apt to catch the smaller two- to three-pound range. So just, you know, a medium, medium-light rod with 15-pound test would work for them. How much patience do you have to have? Do you need to leave that rod, that line where it is? Yeah, a lot of times with the flatheads, you might not get a bite for 20 minutes. You know, where a lot of times catfishing on wing dams or stuff, usually within 10 minutes, you know, if you don't have a bite, you move somewhere else. Do you ever use any kind of artificial bait, or has it got to be live bait? Uh, for the flatheads, just uh, bluegills. The channel cat, I use stink bait mostly, or shrimp, or cut bait, you know, cut up suckers or something like that. How far into the fall can we go? Does it vary year to year and still be catching fish? Well, for myself, I usually fish into October, and then after that I convert into crappie fishing and bluegills and stuff like that. So I switch over later in the fall. Suppose that you get a strong hit here and you believe you've got a 20-pound a flathead. You'd like to get him in the boat. Do you need a net? Do you need to be careful on how you handle that fish? Yeah, I always use a net for him. Sometimes the flatheads, I will reach down, put my hand in their mouth and pull them out. But it seems like a channel cat, they'll bite down a lot harder on your hand than what a flathead will. So usually, yeah, I use a net. What's the biggest uh, flathead you've caught? Um, up to date now, probably 37 pounds was the biggest. And I've had other people, you know, say they've caught over 50 pounds, but, you know, even bottom out their scale at 50 pounds. So there is some big ones in there. Well, thank you for talking to us. Good luck. Good fishing. Yeah, thank you. Bob, we also spoke with Dave Geary from GNS Cheese Bait. It's a little company, very interesting. He's second generation over in Milledgeville, Illinois. Uh, you handle that bait, don't you? Yeah, we wholesale it for, for Dave, and then uh, we carry it at the store. And a uh, really good seller along the Mississippi River. Well, he has an interesting story of the family uh, and of the bait itself. Dave, when did you yep. join into the company? You know, I I started back in 1999. My mom passed away, and Dad, he just didn't know what to do with the business. And he was going to sell it. A competitor offered him a price, and they wanted just to pay $40,000 up front and then pay the rest on contract. Well, 
dad didn't go for that because all they'd find out is a secret recipe to the bait and probably would have just dumped it back on them. So I says, hey, you know, we got to keep this in the family. So I says, I want to buy it and we'll just keep it in the family. Got to do it, you know, just hate to see it go anywhere else. It's a great story of American families, you know, starting with an idea and taking it to an enterprise and then taking it one generation further. How big is your business now as far as employees that you have or a facility that you use? Well, back until I retired, I retired here three years ago. Um, there was probably six of us working, and we are just working the weekends because we all had jobs. So we were working weekends and a few nights after work just to keep things going. But after I retired, I had all this time during the week to do it myself. I Basically, right now, it's a one-man band. Um, I'm doing everything, ordering the bait, picking up the bait, shipping it out, you know, just making it, you name it, I'm doing it. And what happened, we started out, Mom and Dad started out in a 12 by 12 little shed behind the house. And then now we're just making it in the garage behind my dad's house and probably make about 10 to 12,000 pounds a year. Well, tell me, Dave, I, I got it a little drift from you when I first was trying to make contact that you'd talk to me if you weren't fishing. So are you a pretty active fisherman right now? Oh, yeah, I go out as much as I can. Right now it's been so busy, and the way the river's been up, I haven't been fishing a lot. We go to the Rock River down here in Illinois because it's been, it's been normal. The Mississippi's been out of its banks or, well, keeping within the banks, but, you know, so high that haven't fished much over here on the Mississippi yet. And usually, I usually wait till after they get done spawning. Probably by about after the 4th of July, they'll be getting on a feed bag after they get done spawning and go crazy on a person. If you don't mind bragging a little bit, what kind of catfish do you go for, and how big have you caught? Bait, this dip bait, is a bait for channel cat. You rare, rarely ever catch a darn um, darn flathead on it. You can catch the blues down south. A lot of guys catch the blue catfish down southern Illinois, Kentucky, and Arkansas and all that. But basically, we it's a channel catfish bait. And you just catch a lot of the two to five pounders. The biggest one I've caught was fifteen fifteen eight. And that was up in Wisconsin. Down here on the Mississippi, the biggest one I've caught was fourteen eleven. And that was right out in front of me. I live right on the Mississippi in pool thirteen. And from my house you can look out across here and see where I caught that fourteen eleven at. And he was in probably two foot of water up in the real shallow water feeding. So he made quite a battle for me. Would you give us any recommendations? Now, this is a dip bait, so you use a a, a dip worm that'll hold this bait in it. And I think all your bait is, is that semi-liquid uh, uh, type, like peanut butter. Um, yep. What is your method uh, for 
getting the fish to come to your bait? We use a dip worm. We use a JNN dip worm. It's a surgical tube. We kind of recommend that tube like that because our bait sticks real good to it. But as you're fishing, you want that bait to come off. It's basically a chum bait. Um, the current, well, it works good in lakes too, but the current and smell, the current um, takes that smell plus little piece of chunks of the bait downstream. And then the catfish will follow that smell and that chum right up to your bait, up to your hook, I'm sorry. You kind of told me that the business model here is that you've got to keep making this bait and distributing it as you do and not let somebody else crack the code of what your secret <laughs> ingredient is, and therefore you can make money long-term on it versus selling it and then it being lost. You know, it's it's amazing. There's so many um, dip bait companies out there. There's, you know, we're not the best dip bait company as far as selling it. You know, there's some products that, you know, make a lot of money off of their bait, sell it all over. We sell it all over too, but not like the other companies do. But we keep it simple. We keep you know, try to keep the quality in the bait. You know, we're, I'm not out to make a million dollars. I'm I'm for basically for the fishermen. What happens after it gets in the store is another story, how much they charge for the bait. But I keep my prices low to help the fishermen out. So the product is GNS Cheese Bait, made just off of Pool 13 in Illinois, and Dave Gary, you're the second generation and still going strong. Yep, she's going good. <laughs> Thanks a lot for talking to me, Dave. Nope, that's quite okay. I'm surprised a lot of those, along with the lure companies, are little entrepreneurial businesses scattered across the states. Yeah, and, and you're still seeing it. Uh, maybe they're fading out a little bit. They're getting bought up by the bigger box store companies, but the stink bait companies uh, are not. Um, maybe it's because they don't want to do it. It's a dirtier job, a stinkier job. That that could be some of the reason, but a lot of your catfish bait is made right here in Iowa, Illinois. A lot of the, the number one sellers are, are made right here in the Midwest. And uh, the life cycle of channel catfish has always been impressive to me. And uh, Chad Dolan, who is with DNR, a fisheries management biologist, knows all of that coming and going. And uh, we had a chance to talk with him. Chad, let me turn to channel catfish. Uh, you're a fisheries biologist. You've studied them. Uh, I'd like for us to learn a little bit more about them why that this is a good time of year for them to bite uh, and what their habits are that uh, give them the chance to grow uh, as large as they do in these rivers and lakes. Uh, what's nice about this time of year is we start to hit water temperatures in the you know, mid to 
upper 70s, maybe even touch the lower 80s a little bit, or if not higher on really hot days. But but generally, you know, lately we've been running 78, 79 degrees Fahrenheit in our lakes and ponds. Um, and 75 is that temperature that kind of spurs catfish to spawn. So uh, basically they'll come in um, from a little bit deeper water to shallow water be more accessible um, on the shoreline itself. Um, they are cavity spawners, so they're coming into areas that are, are covered with rock, typically uh, near dams on small impoundments or good places or near places where we've placed cover, such as road culverts, etc. And uh, essentially, you know, the, the male uh, is going to set up shop in a cavity um, you know, they're going to spawn with the female. Um, they may produce, um, you know, at least three to 4,000 eggs. In some cases, maybe even up to 20,000. It just kind of depends on, on size and, and genetics and, you know, a number of other factors. But essentially, after that spawning takes place, the male is going to run the female uh, out of the nest. Um, she's going to go off and do her thing, probably... Uh, begin to feed pretty heavily uh, to kind of make up for the resources. You know, those eggs have been laid. That took a lot of energy. So a lot of energy has been expended. Um, she's got to pack on the weight again. And, you know, she's going to kind of hang around, at least in the vicinity of that shallow water, uh, targeting uh, your smaller uh, panfish, your bluegills, etc., um, feeding on those, which makes the female pretty vulnerable then uh, to, you know, being caught by anglers. So a lot of anglers will target those, um, you know, baiting their hook with chicken liver, stink bait. Um, some of the larger uh, catfish can be even targeted, um, you know, with small uh, bait fish species. Now, the male, on the other hand, is going to hang around that nest and actually provide some sort of parental care, you know, and I would call it a pretty aggressive uh, parental care, at least, you know, before, um, you know, the new catfish hatch, you know, and until those fish emerge from the eggs, that male is going to guard that nest pretty aggressively. He's going to maintain the territory uh, in and around uh, the cavity in which uh, he and the female spawn. At the point that the young do hatch and you've got, you know, small catfish, they're going to, those small catfish are going to school up pretty tightly um, and will remain in that school um, for uh, a couple of weeks to even a month before they start dispersing and, and feeding uh, independently. So it might take a little longer, you know, for that male to to get on the bite, so to speak, but after their job is done, and again, it's very, it's a, a huge kind of energetic cost, you know, in order to uh, take care of those uh, eggs and maintain that nest. So, um, you know, the male leaves the nest hungry and also is going to be vulnerable to being caught. They're going to hang in that shallow water a little bit longer, targeting those smaller bait fish as well again. Um, and be susceptible to anglers. You know, channel catfish, as I mentioned, can be targeted with numerous baits. Um, they're very notorious uh, for um, using their sense of smell to locate food, you know. So, um, you know, things like stink baits, um, 
you know, chicken livers that have, that put off, a, a you know, a, a really good uh, scent pattern are going to lure those uh, channel catfish in. Now, your bigger channel catfish actually become piscivorous, meaning fish eating. And so they will actually um, begin to feed more heavily on fish and even larger fish. And so when you get you know, to the, the point of talking about some of these, you know, big 10, 15 or, or greater size uh, channel catfish in rivers, those fish are almost exclusively feeding on on a fish of some sort and even larger bait fish for that matter. But that doesn't mean they're not susceptible to being caught another way. After all, you know, the reason channel catfish have whiskers is they they have a lot of sensory organs within those whiskers that are allowing not only for touch, but taste and smell as well. You know, so uh, channel catfish is a species we call omnivorous, meaning that they will utilize numerous different food resources. They might even eat a little bit of vegetation, uh, mollusks, small fish, um, and then, of course, carrion, uh, which would be things that have died after all those things are pretty easy to catch so channel catfish as well as other catfish species in addition to turtles uh, would feed on carrion and in essence help keep our uh, bodies of water uh, clean you know from organic material um, that has originated from the death of other aquatic organisms what we have observed over time uh, is that you know, these schools of new channel catfish are very susceptible to predatory fish. And that may include large bluegills, but certainly largemouth bass. And in ponds that are small and they don't have a lot of space to kind of escape that, um, those predatory fish can really put a dent uh, in those small catfish uh, populations. So in other words, there isn't a whole lot of young that survive to be recruited into the adult population. Um, by providing uh, spawning habitat, that means that more of these uh, channel cats have success, that um, they produce enough young that uh, a lot remain yeah, even after uh, predation, and that some of those young fish do get recruited into the adult population. But of course, what we have observed in Iowa is that predation by uh, large predatory fish can be pretty great. And so we often encourage people that own uh, small farm ponds to restock channel catfish in order to keep that adult population intact. And we recommend they do that about uh, every couple years for that matter. But we also, we also state though that those fish need to be eight inches because if you just stock with two inch fish, you know, those large mouth bass will eat them too. How can you uh, get some uh, eight inch or longer catfish and generally what do they cost? So yeah, you can get eight inch catfish. Um, best way to do it is through a fish days, like at a local farm store. So, you know, just off the top of my head, Orschlands, Big R, Farm and Homes, Tyson's, uh, Fleet Farms, those sort of places offer fish days in the spring and fall where people can order uh, species like catfish. Uh, for that matter, and they can request, uh, you know, larger catfish. Um, we tell them about eight inches. Sometimes they may be as small as six, and they may be a little bit bigger than eight. They may run up to 10 inches in some cases. 
honestly, the bigger they get, the more uh, costs involved. Um, you know, I I would not be surprised if an eight inch catfish would cost a person, uh, you know, a dollar and a quarter uh, on up to two dollars and fifty cents in some cases. You know, so it just kind of depends on the supplier. You know, I would say that that's probably your typical range for an eight inch catfish. But, um, you know, we say stock at about 100 per acre. You know, um, a lot of people are dealing with ponds that are at an acre or maybe just a little bit over an acre. And then we don't see a lot of ponds or small ponds in Iowa um, that exceed, you know, about five acres. Um, so more of your, you know, two acre ponds are going to be pretty common. So a little bit of a cost, but, uh, you know, not monumental. And if you do have um, some habitat added in there to encourage spawning. Um, you might actually get some natural recruitment into your catfish population and be able to sustain it through time. Well, Bob, you've got the major holidays of the year behind you. Fourth uh, of July here, uh, waiting for Labor Day, but that kind of brings an end to summer. So uh, how are things going overall? Do you have a lot of business coming through? Yeah, like I said, Ken, this morning was pretty busy. Um, folks are dodging those those little storms yesterday. They're going back out today. It's going to get warm. Um, and we got we've got tournaments out there, uh, bass tournaments, pretty hot and heavily on pools nine, ten, eleven. Uh, that's very common for the summer. So we're seeing a lot of traffic, seeing a lot of campers, seeing a lot of folks. And and I, I talk to the kids every time I see them after the fourth. You got to get done what you want to get done before school starts. So we're seeing a lot of those uh, now that travel sports and stuff are over. That's a lot more kids are out fishing, which is nice to see. Isn't there also a catfish tournament based at the uh, motel in Guttenberg uh, next weekend? Yeah, there is uh, channel cat only. And then they have a big fish pot for the flathead. Dave Schwartz from the Guttenberg motel just dropped off a flyer at the store this morning. And uh, I'm going to have you chat with him, and uh, we'll have him talk next week. But that is Saturday, July 22nd. He's got 21 boats signed up already. Um, it's a really nice, good tournament. Uh, they clean the fish. They have a fish fry afterwards. Um, it's 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. Uh, from the Guttenberg uh, boat launch there. And then you got to be in at 1.30. Um, you got to be at the motel. Uh, so it's 6 to 1, and then be at the motel with your fish at 1.30. And give away a bunch of prizes, free t-shirts, and uh, cash prizes as well. Bob, I hope that you have a good week at Murray Outdoor on the south end of Guttenberg under the big walleye. You've got a great crew of people working there with you, and I hope that you don't open another can of worms this week. <laughs> Thanks, Ken. <laughs>